0: Welcome to 170th episode of The Next English Podcast. How are you? And who are you? I want to know who you are. Let me know who you are, please, because, um, you know, I, I have no idea who you are, who most of you are, uh, where you're listening from, if you're a guy or a girl, or older person, younger person, a teenager, or a baby, or, I don't know, an animal, mutant, a monster... A werewolf. I don't know who you are. And it might be interesting for you for me to find out. Now, no, I'm not a spy. Don't worry. I'm not going to hack your computer or uh, infect it with a virus. I'm not going to uh, find you, find your address and murder you in sleep. No, 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 no. This is not the kind of person I am. I'm just curious by nature, I suppose. And... You know, as a podcaster, it's sometimes a good idea to manage and sort of interact with your listeners because um, it might make them want to stay longer, you know, to, to like be loyal because there is some sort of feedback and some sort of interaction is uh, useful. Okay, that's the point. I, I think I've made my point clear now. What's this? Well, this is, as I said, one uh, 170th episode of the podcast. And this is actually part five of um, um, the series called Look Back on the Podcast, which is uh, about Luke Thompson and uh, the interview or conversation that I had with him over Skype. The first three episodes from this series were the actual Skype call. And then the fourth uh, episode, the fourth part was... Uh, the first part of the analysis and then this is supposed to be the second part of the analysis. So this should be another 25 items on the list, uh, another 25 bullet points where I am looking actually at um, arbitrary aspects of the language which I chose. Um, It could be grammar, pronunciation, vocabulary or some features of conversation. And um, yeah, I have to admit that in the previous episode I Couldn't help but make a couple of glitches here and there. And that's something I was hoping that I would avoid. But um, uh, it happened. And I owe you an apology for this. I was actually wondering if I would mess this up. Uh, I thought I wouldn't. uh, Did any of you notice uh, any problems? I wonder. Um, I was just testing, of course, if... If you're paying attention, obviously I didn't make any mistakes. No, I'm bluffing. I made mistakes. There were a few errors, a few technical problems. And I think what happened to me was that I had been doing this for a long time. And I just, um, you know, at one point... I'm not infallible, you know. I'm not a robot. And uh, something happened. And I got bogged down in the technicalities, I think... um, Uh, it's because I had to do a lot lot of copy-pasting and then there was some deleting, some editing out sometimes I wasn't happy with my answer to the um, language point that I was focusing on so I redid it and then perhaps I just copy-pasted something somewhere that it wasn't supposed to be so I think I struggled a little bit but I don't think it's too much. It's just a bit. It's not no, it's nothing serious on the whole. In the grand scheme of things, it's just a um, little fish in water. Never mind. Let's not make a mountain out of a molehill. You know, it's nothing serious. Um the lesson I can learn from this is that I should really uh, listen back to what I record before I publish it. But um in this case I was just um I had enough of this episode. I mean, I enjoyed it. I I did, but it took me too long. I thought it would take me shorter time. Uh, So what happened was that I wanted to have it out of the way, you know, to just have it off my chest or out of the way. And uh, I published it rather prematurely. I should have waited a bit longer, you know, just to take a step back and listen to it again. And then I would probably notice those things. It happened in minute 28 and in minute 35, okay? so There's, there's some additional stuff going on, which no, is not supposed to be there. On a different note, when I was analyzing the sentence, all these women and children are being swept away by the water, um, at one point I said, uh, rather mistakenly, that... This uh, is a present perfect tense. Of course, it isn't present perfect tense. This is clearly present continuous tense. So I don't know what I was doing there, but I think it was just some sort of, a, um, you know, some sort of an accident. Come on, you know me. You know I would never uh, make a mistake in this. I would always be able to tell the difference between the continuous aspect and the perfect aspect. It's uh, clearly, clearly an accident which happens uh, about once in 10 years or so. Other than this, I think everything went quite smoothly. And I hope uh, you liked this episode. And I still hope I get some more messages from you about this. And um, yeah, so this is uh, the sequel to that. This is the second part. And I'm going to look at 25 more uh, language Features and um, yeah, well, without further ado, here is the last part of the five part series called Look Back on the Podcast, the second part of the analysis.
1: Um, And you're trying to be strong but not too strong. Uh-huh. you know yeah the pragmatics of of english that we use mm. in those situations is really like, you
0: have to take into account the, the formality of the language and, and yes. uh, so it's mostly teaching functions i would say yeah,
1: um, yeah. uh yeah pragmatics I, I think is a good word because mm. we're talking about the end result the effect that so how so- to how
0: to say it in order to be understood and uh, um like not to offend like just just which words to use, yeah you can you can say it
1: uh, in many ways, but you should choose one way which is appropriate for the for the right context, exactly, yes, and for, yeah. you know let's say for example you you are all right, so unfortunately, we have to kick this one off with
0: something I'm not too proud of, and that's uh, my poor turn taking skills turn taking is an important feature of conversation or. Uh, discourse if you will and um, i have to criticize myself here because i was basically rudely interrupting luke Uh, i don't know why but uh, i think it's something that is becoming um, uh, my personal thing Uh, i think everyone does this from time to time some people do it more some people do it less in any case um, i shouldn't do it and I certainly should, shouldn't should do it to Luke, because uh, he is an authority for me. So, uh, of course, I look up to Luke, and I, I think the reason I did it was because I was just too eager to say something. You know, I sh- obviously, I should have waited, rather than butt in like that. Um, I should have waited for the right moment. Um, you know, when people are cut off, it's not really nice, is it? It's really common sense, you know, just something that should be um, rather transferable from L1, from your mother tongue, from your first language. I don't know why it happens to me in English more than in Czech, but I think it must be because I don't like to hold on to my thoughts for too long, if you know what I mean. Um... So that's perhaps why I do it. I think there is no excuse for it, of course. I shouldn't do this. And uh, I, it has happened here before on the podcast. And I think you must remember that uh, I criticized myself for this more than once. And um, I want to do that because the more I bring it up, the more I am aware of this. And the, the, I guess the higher the chance is that... One day, uh, it will disappear from my idiosyncrasy because, like I said, this is nothing to be proud of. And um, I think I, I should really set myself some sort of a podcasting goal to improve on this front because, um, obviously, I want to be a better person, right? Um, that was a bit of self-beating, beating myself up. Over something that I deserve to be uh, beaten up for, I think, in this case, so hopefully it won't happen uh, in the future. it probably will, but let's le- okay let's be more realistic let's hope it won't happen uh as much as it is happening these days.
1: If you come across too strong and too direct. Then uh-huh. you are going to antagonise the person, and yeah. yet at the same time, if you come across as being a bit too weak and a bit indirect, uh, then they're going to they're not going to feel, you know, they're going to feel that you are a pushover.
0: So this time, I am not beating myself up over anything. I am not giving myself uh, the good old stick. Uh, we have had enough of that. This time, I am looking at a compound word: pushover. A pushover. It is a noun and it means a weak person, somebody easily taken advantage of. And um, how did this English word came to exist? What do you think? How did this particular word enter the lexicon? Um, Well, obviously, we can find the answer on the internet. Just check out any um, etymological dictionary. That's where you should... Uh, find the answer to this question, Um, but um, I can try to guess. I think it probably came from a phrasal verb to push someone over, because um, when you push someone over, um, well, that person is a a weak person, and, uh, you know, you can easily easily take advantage of that, and if you push someone over, that person is probably going to wind up lying on the floor. Um, so, that's where this noun is probably derived from. Uh, it's it's pure speculation here. But um, I suppose a pushover is probably a bullish target. Okay? Uh, if you are a pushover, my advice to you is you go to the gym, make some friends who can stand up for you, but definitely don't give up don't remain in this state a pushover is not a good thing to be and um, I'm not speaking from my experience I've never really been a pushover but um, I have seen some pushovers and it's not a pleasant um, thing to see so that's a pushover very interesting word indeed
1: maybe <laughs> it's time for you to you know face your face your fears of uh... <laughs> Maybe it's time to face your
0: fears. It's time to face your fears, guys, if you happen to be a pushover. Um, That's something that you might consider doing, definitely, if this is your problem. Uh, But the reason I'm looking at this phrase, to face your fears, is because, well, to put it simply, I like it. Why do I like it? I like it because it's a nice collocation. And I also like it because it's an alliteration. Now, what is an alliteration? Alliteration is a bit of a figure of speech, I think. And I think it comes from poetry. Uh, That's what I remember from my literature lessons from the university. And basically, if you have got two words which start with the same sound, um, in this case, it's F sound, F, like face your fears, it gives it extra emphasis, or it gives it some poetic. Uh, what? Should, how? Should, what, what? Which word am I looking for now? Um, it gives it some poetic um, poetic power. Does it make any sense? It gives it a poetic power. Another alliteration example here. Um, I like to play with words like that. It seems to be very uh, powerful tool to use the language so to face your fears definitely a bit of alliteration there and to use for collocation to know
1: face your fears of uh, (laughs) the language of economics and go in there armed with your sword at your your side The, 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 the freshly minted sword that you created in your adventure to england to face my fears with what with a sword with a freshly
0: minted sword in the 21st century luke come on are you serious here? Well, of course, Luke wasn't serious, it was just a metaphor. And I'm looking at the word minted here. I did not know this word, but it was very easy for me to work it out from context. Uh, when you don't know some words, when you tackle unknown words, uh, a good learner of English knows how to kind of um, bypass that. You know, a good learner of English knows what to do even without using a dictionary. You just have to think about... First of all, you have to think about the importance of this word. How important is that? Is it something that you need to know? Or is it something that you can guess? And in this case, it was a freshly minted sword. So I was just trying to basically connect, connect the dots here. Uh, I know what freshly means. I know what a sword means. So if it's something, a fresh sword... So, obviously, something was done to the sort that it became fresh. That was my reasoning behind this. So, immediately, I knew it meant forged. Obviously, because this is language analysis, and I don't want to feed you with some nonsense, Uh, I checked it for you, and that's exactly what it means. Minted means forged. And um, yeah, so I hope this serves as a good example of how to tackle unknown words. From context, just you know, just um, use use your common sense, and you can deduce it. Uh, the the more you read, the more you listen, the better you get at this skill. Obviously, it um, it needs some practice as well, like anything in life.
1: Anyway, I, I, I like doing um, let's say business English, although I think that the, that expression has been so loaded with uh, with. Preconceptions now yeah. that when you say it, people go, No, no, not business, not today, thank you. When they close the door, uh, this
0: is another interesting collocation. If something is loaded with preconception, it basically means it's full of prejudice, full of um, bias. In other words, uh, the loaded with means full of. Um, so there is a lot of um, people thinking something beforehand in advance um but that's a bad thing actually because people shouldn't judge the book by its cover people shouldn't just uh people should see the whole picture because sometimes you just see the tip of the iceberg you know you should read the whole book you shouldn't just um um like i said you shouldn't judge the book by its cover And a lot of people do that because they are loaded with preconception. They already they come to you thinking something already about you without knowing the whole truth. Uh, That's what to be loaded with preconceptions uh, essentially means. Yeah. Some people gave me advice that I just have to be confident, and this is exactly what I wouldn't do as a teacher. I would just. So what's happening here? Well, in this case, I don't think it's anything serious. Uh, it's just a little pronunciation thing. And it's basically the pronunciation of confident. I pronounced it with and, but it should be "unt." confident. So instead of a sound, there is a sound. The reason this happens is because in English, there is no, uh, uh, there is very little uh, sound versus spelling correspondence and when you're learning new words, uh, sometimes you have got some kind of visual associations. And I know how confident is spelled. And I I even know how it is pronounced. But sometimes this association kind of comes in and ruins everything, okay? And that's what happens to me here. That's what happened to me here. Obviously, adjectives ending in ENT, ent should be pronounced ENT. And um, so... For instance, um, decent or omnipotent or I don't know what. Okay, confident. So, just to point out, a is the most common uh, vowel in English language. Sometimes we refer to it as a schwa sound. Really interesting uh, term there, a schwa sound. And it is the most common sound in English language. And it is not stressed. What else is there to say? Uh maybe just um, you know, I don't think this is too cringe-worthy problem really, but uh, you know, I just I'm just a nitpicker. I'm I like to nitpick and uh, I would like to improve my pronunciation and I'm pretty confident it can happen if I work on myself like this. So, there you go.
1: You know, you'll make massive inroads in your teaching. I mean, you can you can make a lot of progress into these areas. I will make massive inroads
0: in my teaching? Well, that's a very nice thing to say, Luke. Thanks a lot. Um, this is certainly nothing to be sniffed at, and I'll take that. Thanks. Obviously, we're talking about English for special purposes, namely English for engineering, which is, as I have established on this podcast before, Something that uh, I've been teaching this term, and initially I was really scared stiff of this. Uh, I didn't know what to expect, but you know what? You know what? With a bit of distance, I have to admit that actually I've been sort of enjoying teaching English for engineering. It is something new. It's um, um, something I didn't know anything about, but uh, I've been handling it all right, I think. the My... Students give me some positive feedback, and um, we're making this work. So, this was a good prediction, Luke, I think. Uh, I think you were spot on there. Um, Anyway, let's go back to the original point that I think I decided to include this particular aspect of English language, and that's the expression to make inroads. Um, Actually, I... Check this one out on the internet and apparently it's used with the preposition to make inroads into something. So you make inroads um, into engineering in this case, I suppose. And it means to make progress in this particular area, to make an an advance. But I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, actually, I don't know how you would do that, but um, I think... In this particular case, what Luke said to make inroads in your teaching, um, he he didn't use it with an object. I think he, it's it's rather an adverbial of place. Where do I make these inroads in my teaching? But uh, I make these inroads into different areas, uh, different particular particular areas of teaching, like such as engineering, business, English, and so on. So I believe. This expression is used with into plus object, but here you, uh, Luke used it without an object. But anyway, the, you know, to make inroads means to make progress. So what do you enjoy teaching most?
1: Um, 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 I, do, I do enjoy teaching pronunciation. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But it's That's... difficult. Um, mm. One of the reasons it's difficult is because it's difficult for the students to get it Right. Yeah, yeah but um pronunciation is 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 a lot of fun for me sure. um, and uh it 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 produces a lot of f- fun results um
0: okay, so here I'm looking at something that is called back channeling back channeling is a feature of conversation, and um well, that's when you say uh-huh mm hmm yeah uh-huh uh-huh Maybe you say it in a little bit different way because this might have sounded a bit uh, creepy. <laughs> you say, mm hmm, yeah, yeah, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm, hmm. Something like this. Maybe this was more, uh, this sounded more natural. Now, what happened in this little um, excerpt is that it, I don't know, for some reason it, my back channeling wasn't right. It was a bit off. Uh, there was. There was a bit too much of it and kind of out of place or rather all over the place. Uh, it just wasn't right. And um, why did it even happen? I, I guess it's because I was thinking about something else while also listening to Luke. And as you know, men can't multitask that well. So I must have been listening half ear. Um, obviously, this is something I should be more careful about. And I should say, "Mm mm-hmm, or yeah, when Luke makes a point, and uh, not randomly, and I should say it in the right moment, when there is a little pause, perhaps, or when uh, he drops with his intonation, there is always um, a point. There is definitely a time where to say this. And I think think we don't have to overanalyze this, because backchanneling is a natural feature of everybody's... um, What's, what was the word I, I have been using here? It's idiosyncrasy. Okay, I think everybody can do this. Uh, it's quite well transferable from your L1, from your uh, first language. Um, but, you know, it's this is an important thing. You might you might be thinking Zdenek. Again, maybe this is not that important. Well, I beg to differ, you know... It's important to let the speaker know that you're listening to him and that you're following him, you know, especially when um, somebody is speaking for a longer time, especially when somebody is making a point that has got a lot of, uh, I don't know, somebody is making a point, supporting it with arguments and reasons. You should should try to follow and you should let your listener know that uh, you are on the same wavelength, so to speak. So... I feel I wasn't doing it in the best possible way here. That's back-channeling.
1: You know, you push them a little bit further than they're willing to go, and they repeat the sound, and then you, you know, you might write the sound up until eventually the penny drops, and they're like, oh, I see, it's two (laughs) words. It's just two words together.
0: So who is Luke pushing in this case? He's not pushing, Pushovers or anything like that. No. He's pushing his students. He's talking about how he pushes his students uh, during his pronunciation classes. Um, not, I don't think he t- he's doing that literally. It's a metaphor, of course. He's pushing them in terms of their English. And um, he's pushing them until uh, the penny drops. The penny drops. Obviously, Luke is English, so... If uh, you are from uh, a different country, uh, you would replace a penny for, I don't know, a cent. Or um <clears throat> Anyway, the penny drops uh, is an expression and it means that it's like, Oh, I see. I finally understand this. How could I have been so stupid? It's this kind of a eureka moment. It's when you realize something that uh, you have been missing Uh, that's when it dawns on you, you know, that's when you get it. Do you know what I mean? Um, So, um, that's also, uh, some people call it an epiphany, but the epiphany might be a bit stronger uh, expression. So, it's just, you know, it's just when you realize something, that's when the penny drops. Yeah, and it's it's a good thing to happen. The more the penny drops, the better. Uh, I mean, it's not that good for your back because... You have to bend um, to to pick up the penny, and t- t- obviously the more that happens, the more you um, the more you have to use your back, and um, the sooner you will probably visit an orthopedist. Um, okay, enough, Zdenek, enough. This, this humor. Um, are you sure your listeners um, will get it? Are, are you sure the penny will drop? Yes, in this case, I am. Um, So uh, I was just wondering uh, um, how how you felt during recording the second part and uh, what you think about it looking back now.
1: Um, um, I I felt good because um, I just felt like I was sort of in the zone a little bit.
0: Luke felt that he was sort of in the zone. What does that expression to be in the zone mean? Again, I think you could have uh, kind of guessed it from context in case you don't know this, but I, th- I think you probably do know it. But I still think it's a nice expression to know. Uh, one thing is to be able to understand it, another thing is to be able to use it. So uh, let's hope uh, by um, uh, focusing on this again, by giving it some more attention, you will be able to add this to your own lexicon. Um, so to be in the zone means to be in the right. ...state of mind... ...to be in the right frame of mind... Um, ...it's it's when... uh, ...I guess a person is at his or her... ...best... ...it's like... uh, ...it's like when your brain... ...performs at its... ...peak or something like that... ...it's often used... ...when we're talking about some kind of a skill... ...you know... ...and when this skill that you have... ...matches your performance... ...so... You may have a good skill, you may have a talent, you may be good at something, but when it comes to the crunch, when it comes to the moment, when you have to show off your uh, of your skill, um, you don't perform because there is some anxiety or something that is holding you back. Uh, maybe you're self-conscious or something. That's what happens to me sometimes when I record the podcast. Um, I'm not always in the zone, I have to admit. Sometimes I just I just I'm not in a good mood or I have, I'm have. i tired because I've had a long day at work and my performance goes down uh, one, two or even three levels. So that's when my skill doesn't match my performance and that's when I'm not in the zone. But let's hope that uh, you think that I am in the zone when recording this one. It's kind of hard to judge uh, or assess myself in this case because... Really, the the best possible thing to do here to uh, let me know whether I am in the zone at this very moment is just to send me a message or leave a comment. Give me some uh, feedback, you know. And if you do, then, um, uh, you know, uh, I will be more aware whether I have been in the zone recording this podcast episode. I do hope that I am in the zone, but who knows, maybe um you think um, differently. Maybe you think uh, that you are in the zone because you are listening to my podcast episode. You understand what is going on here. You pick up on all those nuances, on all those langu- little language things that I have been uh, intricately sort of including in this episode, which is, I have to admit, well prepared. But whether I'm in the zone or not, um, that's a That's a question that um, I'm not able to answer at this point and it really does uh,
1: warrant some sort of feedback from you.
0: Okay, I think that's definitely enough
1: for this one. Mm. And as a present, he gave me this toy, this sort of pink gorilla toy.
0: Oh, yeah. I think I, I might have seen some photos on your web, website.
1: Right. Which was a really nice yeah. thing to do, you know, like this. Uh, he gave me this toy and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, he told me that he thought that was a really good episode and it kind of, you know, on the, on the train. So he told me
0: that he thought that was a good episode. Well, I like this sentence because... Um, <laughs> There are two embedded object clauses. Two embedded object clauses. What am I talking about? Okay, so the main clause is he told me. That's the main clause. And obviously you need an object after told me because you tell somebody something. So he told me that he thought. Okay, so that he thought is an object of he told me. But that he thought also needs an object because... Uh, The verb think is a transitive verb. So, the object of that he thought is that was a very good episode. Now, what's also interesting about this is that sometimes that is omitted. Um, In object clauses, you can choose to use that or leave it out. So, in this case, he told me that he thought... Luke could have said he told me he thought... But it sounds a bit better, actually, in this case. He told me that he thought. um, But it's possible to say he told me he thought. And theoretically, Luke could have said he told me that he thought that that was a good episode. But it sounds a bit awkward, you know. It sounds a bit stylistically awkward when you say that that, like twice. But theoretically, grammatically, it would be okay. It's nice that you can play around, that you can horse around with that in English language, isn't it? Isn't that exciting? But be careful, you can't always do it. Here in this case, you can do it because there is always a subject. When that is the subject, then you can't leave it out. But if it's not the subject, then you then you can do it. So he told me that he thought in that um, embedded clause that he thought... Uh, he is the subject. So you you can omit that, even though Luke didn't do that, for the reasons we have already talked about here. But then you have the second embedded object clause, that was a good episode. And like I said, you could have said that that was a good episode. But the reason Luke could omit it was because the second that functions as the subject. The first that is not a subject, it's just it just, it's just a conjunction that introduces the, the clause. Okay, so this was a bit more of a good old syntax. Like I said, I love syntax. Uh, I'm always in the zone when I speak about syntax. So don't hold it against me. I'm, I'm definitely in my element here.
1: There'd been a lot of heavy stuff going on with Brexit and Donald Trump and all this politics. I remember that, You know, which is great and everything. It's very interesting. But it's a bit of a drag. And I, you know, I got a bit of...
0: All right. A bit of a drag. If something is a bit of a drag, then it means that it is a bit of a nuisance, a bit of a hassle. It's kind of annoying. And... I imagine that when I was looking at the previous point, the one in which I was talking about two embedded object clauses could have possibly been a bit of a drag for you, especially the way I was talking about it, so, you know, because obviously I love you as my listeners, I hold you dear, and I really appreciate you listening to me, I've decided to... Um, to compensate you for this, to reimburse you, not financially, but just you know, just I think you deserve better than that. So this time, uh, as a comp- as a way of compensation, obviously um, I don't, I'm not gonna spend much time on um, just in-depth analysis as I did in the previous case. A drag is uh, something annoying. So there you go, a drag. I hope this one wasn't a drag for
1: you. you know. I was getting emails in my inbox from people mm. just just yeah. I don't really get it, but like some uh-huh. some really horrible uh, messages in my inbox that I felt were like really out of line.
0: So apparently, some of the messages that Luke was getting were out of line. Now the messages were out of line. That means completely unacceptable, it must have been some horrific messages, like even insulting Luke or insulting his work, something that he did not deserve because um, of what he has done for uh, us, the learners of English. These messages were completely inappropriate, out of control or unruly. Yeah, they were out of line. Now, I wonder, have you noticed the elision of t sound at the end of the word out? Yes, that's right a bit of revision. Uh, We discussed this in the previous episode. Remember, I addressed the elision and it happened here yet again. So, sound is elided and that's a typical feature of spoken English. So, instead of out of line, Luke said out of line. It does mean exactly the same thing. It's just a bit less formal, I guess, but it's exactly the same thing. So, out of line means unacceptable
1: you know in the period before recording i felt some pressure but when i was actually doing it um uh, it was just really really good fun and i'm i'm actually quite proud of it
0: okay so here you might think there was nothing special but you know what i'll always find something now i'd like to look at the word fun luke said it was really good fun if you say it was really good fun then fun must be a noun there Because good is an adjective and adjectives, as we know, pre-modify nouns. They tell us a bit more about nouns. However, I would like to point out that the word fun can also be an adjective itself. And this is really interesting and a lot of students don't realize it. A lot of my students think that they have to say funny as an adjective. Obviously, funny is an adjective, but it means something different than Fun as an adjective. If you say something is funny, it's basically it makes you laugh, okay? But if something is fun, it's entertaining, it's enjoyable, okay? So you can use the word fun as an adjective, and typically it goes after a linking verb to be. So you could say, This was really fun. Recording this episode of the podcast is not a drag, quite the opposite. It's fun, okay? It's definitely not out of line. It's a really great episode of the podcast. It's fun. Um, but you can also say it's good fun. See, you can't say a uh, good fun because fun is an uncountable noun. But like I said, it can also be an adjective. So this is really interesting. And be careful. Don't confuse funny with fun. A lot of my students make this kind of mistake.
1: You know, I'm sure there are some people listening to this thinking, oh, I think it's a load of old bollocks. <laughs> what? Excuse
0: me, are you talking about my language analysis Luke? seriously uh, you can't mean that come on no okay obviously this was taken out of context and if you want to know what the context is, then you better listen back to the uh, third part of the conversation we had with Luke and uh, I'm just I just took this out of context just for a comical uh, comical effect, really, nothing else. You can, don't don't see anything else in it but that, and uh, also because of the word bollocks. Uh, bollocks. If you say something is bollocks or load of bollocks, then it means that it's rubbish, it's nonsense, it's just below par. Okay, and uh, it's a bit rude, but not too much. Um, on scale from Uh, 1 to 10, I would give this about 2 or 3. So it's slightly rude, but not too much. If you want to sound more polite, you would say it's rubbish. It's still a bit um, informal, though. Um, So, yeah. I hope this is not rubbish or drag or bollocks or anything like that. Because, you know, I'm trying here. I'm trying! (laughs) <laughs> although it's a bit of uh, gen- uh, overgeneralization there, but you know, yeah, <laughs> I, d- I, don't think, I don't think Paul, Paul would be happy uh, hearing this.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, I'm just joking. He, he does know plenty of words. and uh... Right. So, first of all, obviously, we are talking about Paul Taylor
0: and the running theme of him not knowing English words, which, by the way, I don't think is completely fair to him. Although... It has happened before on Luke's English podcast, so I know what Luke is doing there. Um, But, uh, well, this one, it was included because I made a mistake there. Um, What was the mistake? Um, I don't know. I just forgotten. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Got it, got it, got it, got it. I don't think he would be happy hearing this. Okay, so... I think this is wrong because after an adjective, you need to use an infinitive, not the gerund. So it's like, I'm I'm happy to see you. It's nice to meet you. So he would be happy to hear that. He would not be happy to hear that. He would be happy not to hear that. That's also a possibility. I don't think I should have said uh, he would be happy hearing that. You know, I think you must have noticed that I was we were a bit carried away in this uh, little excerpt. And when that happens to me, sometimes um, my accuracy just um, goes. You know, um, the accuracy is sacrificed, and just for the sake of um, enjoying uh, the the conversation. You know, if you if I have to think too much about what I'm saying, about sounding correct, about every single English word, then I might not necessarily enjoy the conversation. Whereas if I uh, let my guard down a bit, uh, if I loosen up a bit, then um, it will become more enjoyable. That's just the way it is. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. But um, (laughs) yeah, I have to say this does happen to me once in a while when I go out for beer with my friends. And with every single word my English deteriorates. In other words, the beer actually exacerbates my English. That's what happens. So, yeah, there you go. Um, I know you might not be exactly happy to hear this because you thought that you would have a beer with me one day and uh, I would speak perfect English. But actually, uh, the more beer I have, the worse. Okay, so don't get overexcited.
1: (laughs) The thing that he did was... I think the, the crux of it is he thought to himself, well, I could probably do this. I, you know, I could. Yeah. And, um, you know, I would regret it if I didn't give it a shot.
0: So I think uh, now more than ever it is necessary to have some context. So uh, let me give you this context. We're basically talking about Paul Taylor, Luke's friend, uh, one of the uh, podcast pals, and his success story, how he became a well-known comedian in France. Uh, basically, he used to work for Apple. Uh, and then one day he decided to quit in order to pursue uh, a career of a stand-up comedian. And um, Luke is talking about the crux of it. Like, what's the crux of it? What's the main point? What's What was the main thing that... Um, that uh, basically motivated him or encouraged him to do this, and the, and he says that the crux of it is that uh, he said to himself that if he did if he didn't do it um, he would later regret it. Okay, so that's the crux of it means the main thing, the main point, the essential thing. Also, uh, another similar phrase is the crux of the matter is. Okay, so that the main. Reason or the main point, the main thing,
1: Mm. because his TV show, YouTube series, is the first album that's a that's a hit, and his one man stage show is also a hit. Mm -hmm. What he's going to have to do in the next few years is turn that into a second thing. He's going to have to do another stage show and another TV show. Right. So
0: here I am addressing the word TV. Now, why on earth would I be doing that? Everybody knows what a TV is. Uh, despite uh, the fact that it's um, clearly becoming less and less popular. For instance, I haven't had a TV for about six years now. I don't have a TV in my room. Trust me, I'm not lying. Uh, but why would I be looking at the word TV? It's... Everybody knows this. It's, alum, it's an elementary word. It's a word that every single English learner, every single listener of my podcast, let alone Luke's English podcast, knows And um, I'm pretty sure that this is the case. The reason I'm looking at the word TV is because I want to talk about its pronunciation. Namely, uh, to be be more precise, it's stress. I'm talking about the uh, word stress. Now, TV is an abbreviation of television, of course. And English abbreviations uh, have always the stress on its last letter. So you say TV, not TV. Also, you say BBC and not BBC or BBC. It's BBC. Uh, the same UFO. You don't say UFO. You don't say UFO. You say UFO. Uh, also EU, not EU. So <laughs> I, I'm sure I'm sure you you pronounce these abbreviations um, naturally, like intuitively, but. Uh, Sometimes it's interesting to find out about the things that you take for granted and you don't know why, okay? Uh, By the way, um, the words Brexit or NATO, they are not abbreviations, they are acronyms because you pronounce them as as a word, whereas abbreviations you always pronounce uh, every single uh, letter of that abbreviation. Okay, that's enough. So... um, I wonder, have you got a TV? Is there any of you who doesn't? Well, then, then welcome on board. I guess uh, the crux of it is that these days um, you have the computer and you can watch TV on your computer. So you don't need to have a TV. That's, in other words, TV has become a bit useless.
1: He might, you know, he might just be too busy. I don't know, and he he, he might mm. decide that his time needs to be spent in more profitable ways because, ultimately, you know that you do have to make certain sacrifices. So, you know, I am not going to hold it against him if he can't keep coming here to sort of uh, well, you know, talk nonsense with with me. All right, so we're still talking about Luke
0: Taylor. Luke Taylor? No, we're talking about Paul Taylor. Okay, what have I done? What have I done? confused their names um we're still talking about paul taylor and uh, luke is saying that he won't hold it against him if he becomes uh, very famous and he won't have any spare time to uh, appear on luke's English podcast anymore that would be a shame really i hope it never happens at the same time obviously i wish him all the best so i'm i'm a bit torn apart here Uh, okay what's going on um did I just say torn apart? No, I'm in one piece. I meant I'm torn between, okay? Not torn apart. Not yet anyway. All right, the expression to hold something against someone, that means to blame someone. So uh, Luke might have said, I won't blame him. That would mean exactly the same thing as I won't hold it against him, right? You might have noticed that I have recently started using this expression and guess who taught me that? Obviously, it comes from uh, Luke's English pod... Uh, no. Obviously, it comes from the triple episode Look Back on the Podcast. Now, I think I've been using it quite a lot lately. And I could get into the other extreme when I actually start overusing it. That's what happens. Because I'm so happy that I've learned a new expression that I want to use it... Um, I want to use it on every single occasion, uh, on uh, whenever an opportunity arises. So, I just hope that you won't hold this against me, because why would you? I mean, I don't mean you any harm. I'm a peaceful teacher of English language, and, you know, I, I actually prefer if we get along.
1: Yeah, that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to be able to go up on stage and do what I've done on the podcast sometimes but Mm. in front of an audience and and I think it could be good
0: okay I've just realized I need to start making these shorter and shorter because there are still six points to cover and I'm already into more than 50 minutes of this episode and uh, like I said before I don't want to make this too long so here we're looking at contractions and this particular excerpt was full of them um, Luke said, what what I'd like to do, what I'd, what I'd, what I would, is contracted to I'd. Very good example. And also, um, I'd like to do what I've done, I've, I've. So, I have done. Present perfect tense, contraction of I have into I've. But interestingly enough, Luke pronounced it as F. What I've, what have done, what I've done. So, he made it even shorter, because he was saying a lot of words in short space of time so if you want to do that you really do have to um, contract a lot in your speech and that's that's what really marks you out if you start contracting um, then you're going to have a baby <laughs> if you start contracting like this then you will increase your English proficiency uh, for sure because uh, you will get closer to um what a native speaker sounds like
1: one of the things that maybe has held me back over the years is that you know i like to do lots of things and i sort of feel yeah. like i can do lots of things yeah, and yeah. as a result i do lots of things and i do too many different things and i'm spreading myself too thin
0: all right so apparently luke is spreading himself too thin um Well, that means that he's trying to do too many things at the same time. And uh, as a result, uh, he's not doing those things properly. Because if he was doing fewer things, then he would have more time for each of them. And uh, he would um, dedicate the appropriate amount of time. So that's what's happening to Luke, apparently. He's spreading himself too thin. Right. Right. Now, I can't help to talk about syntax here again, unfortunately. Why do I say unfortunately? Well, I say that because I know for some of you, you, this might be a bit of a drag. Well, I hope it's not a drag for every single one of you. But syntactically, this is interesting because spread yourself too thin. Uh, Spread whom? Uh, Yourself. That's an object. Yourself is an object. And and thin, the word thin, is actually an object complement. What is an object complement? No, I'm not going into that. But let me give you another example. If you find something interesting. So the word interesting functions as an object complement. It's basically dependent on the object. It tells you a bit more
1: about the object. Enough. Enough of this. So I can't start jetting off to different places and doing sort of live shows and and appearances.
0: Right, so Luke can't uh, start jetting off to different places and uh, do live appearances. Uh, Well, neither can I, because I don't have time. I don't have time, I'm running out of time. Uh, This is getting a bit too long, so we might have a common problem, Luke. Um, I'm spreading myself too thin here. Um, I'm not sure if I'm spreading myself too thin is... The right expression to use here, but I'm looking at to jet off, and if you jet off, it means to you depart and travel by airplane. Okay, so to jet off is another way to travel by air. I think to travel by plane, jet is aircraft with jet engine. If you didn't know that, and um, that this kind of aircraft is able to fly very very fast. So to jet off, it's a phrasal verb. Notice how. We stress uh, the particle of more than the actual verb, you know, for, for a recruiter, obviously. A non-native speaker teacher is not such a good selling point, is it? Yeah, but if you got a so, delta,
1: if you have a delta, that, that marks you out.
0: All right. Uh, yet another phrasal verb, to mark someone out. And um, that basically means that you stand out in this case. You're special. You know, if you have got a delta, not everybody has a delta, you know, it's uh, it's an achievement. So it marks me out. Uh, to be fair, it didn't take me very long time to master this piece of vocabulary. I picked it up very fast. Uh, the minute, the minute uh, Luke said that this marks me out, it's already entered my lexicon because this is such an emotional thing for me, you know. That's exactly why I have been doing this. You know how hard it is for a non-native speaker to even consider going to a country full of native speakers and basically thinking of even teaching their, their native tongue, knowing that I will never be able to speak it in the same way as they can. But secretly hoping that my teaching qualities and my expertise and the knowledge that I have gathered over the years could be possibly enough for me to get a job. You have no idea how hard it is. And then Luke tells you that having a delta can mark you out. Obviously I haven't got a delta yet, but I'm on my way, you know, I'm I'm almost there. I need just one module like I said. And all I can say is that I do hope that Luke is right. I hope so. I hope so. It would give me an edge, and that's that's exactly why I did it. You see, it's all it's all. Even though sometimes I come across as as a bit disorganized person, actually, I, this all this is all laid out, and it kind of makes sense there's at least method. in my in, my in my head.
1: There's a, there's a method to the madness.
0: I love this one. There is a method to the madness. There is a method to the madness. So, what does this expression mean? This means that there is a specific rational purpose in what you're doing, even though um, on the surface it looks like you're crazy or um, you come across absurd or a bit disorganized, you know. Um, I I would like to think that there is a method to the madness, but we will see. I don't want to jinx it. Touch wood. Well, that wasn't wood. That sounds more like wood. (laughs) Okay, let's move on to the last one.
1: Well, once you've got the delta, then, you know, the world is your oyster.
0: All right. <clears throat> the world is your oyster. That basically means that you have got the ability and freedom to do exactly what you want. Uh, the world is open to you, and it's only up to you what you do with it. It's only up to you. Uh, obviously, oyster is that thing you can find in the sea. Um, it's, I think it's seafood... As far as I know, a lot of people eat it, especially uh, posh people. So, um, yeah, it's done. We are done here. The, everything has been done. I've I've covered all 50 bullet points that I uh, set myself as, uh, as a goal. And um, I can't believe it's all over now. Um, so, I don't know how about you, but I have to admit, I have had a lot of fun. And... Uh, it was certainly interesting for me personally because I believe um, I I was going sometimes for expressions which, which I don't use myself. Not all of them, but um, there were some words and phrases and other things that uh, I wanted to make clear even to myself, you know? And I believe that the chances are I will be able to use it actively myself now, which is obviously great. And I wish you... The same, of course. I wish that the same happens to you. I wish you the same kind of enlightenment. Now, there is nothing that would actually please me more than hearing from you. What uh, did you think of the analysis? Did did it live up to your expectations? Did it live up to the hype? Did I pick uh, interesting aspects of the language? Was there enough variety? Are the mistakes I made, I made cringeworthy? Or can you actually relate to the experience of making similar type of mistakes? Please join the next English Podcast Facebook group where you can leave a comment or uh, give a thumbs up or you can even come to audioboom.com and leave a comment there or you can even leave a review on iTunes. Now, all that remains is the, the jingle, the final jingle, which I have to say has been growing on me. I like it more and more. I know you guys had some mixed feelings about this, but uh, I'm really getting used to it myself. And uh, I think it's not as bad as it appeared to be at first sight. You know, it's growing on me. So, without further ado, I think it's high time I ended this episode of the podcast. It's about time I wrapped it up. So thank you very much once again for listening to this episode and uh, i hope you tune in next time have a great rest of the day bye